Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with Attorney General Josh Stein, and uh, we've discussed uh, COVID and the problems that are associated with COVID. We've talked about the opioid problem and e-cigarettes, and now let's turn to other areas of concern that are of concern to the uh, office at the uh, North Carolina Attorney General's office and his staff. Uh, I know you are always working out, working on scams, and it's unfortunate that uh, scams very often target the elderly. They usually involve natural disasters, uh, telemarketing scams, and uh, you touched a little bit about uh, the scams that are coming up about uh, COVID-19 and supplies. So what are some of the other scams that you're working on and what can we do to assist you in alerting the public to watch out and be careful about these things? There are just some tried and true scams that we see over and over again. Things like the romance scams where people through social media get contacted and then over a period of time develop a relationship with somebody because that person is misrepresenting who they are. They say that they're working in Bahrain or they're working on an oil rig in the Gulf. And that's why they can't see the person, uh, but they develop this emotional connection and then start sending them money. And I, I just got a call this week uh, from a poor person in, in Wilson who's been victimized by one of those. There, there's grandchild scam where same kind of concept. Somebody calls up grandma or grandpa and says, hey, it's little Johnny. They, they know who the grandkid is based on social media and say, look, I'm in trouble. Don't tell mom and dad, but I need money to get out of jail. You know, send it right now. Help me. And again, they're trying to create fear and urgency so that people make bad decisions and, and lose their money. Um, we see a lot of misrepresentations on the Internet where people are selling something like here's a piece of furniture uh, or here's an apartment you can rent or here's a dress you can buy. And the seller doesn't possess those items. All they have is a picture of the item and the person sends the money to the criminal. And of course, they never get the product. Uh, I just got a call last week uh, from somebody who was scammed by somebody wanting to buy furniture that they were selling. And they sent them money for the furniture, but they sent them a cashier's check in excess of the price amount. They deposit the cashier's check and the guy says, oh, well, you just sent me back the $1,000. And so then they send them back the $1,000. Well, three or four days later, the check doesn't clear. It bounces because it's not a legit cashier check, but they're out of the money that they sent back to the criminal. So <laughs> to your point that you made at the beginning of our conversations, Don, these folks are creative but they're heartless and they're greedy and people just need to be suspicious of everybody out there. People are not who they say they are a lot of the time. I would imagine that the recent uh, run of uh, price increases due to inflation is going to play in the hands of some of these scammers as well, that they will come up with something that, uh, uh, so the old adage, if it seems too good to be true, it probably <laughs> There's no question. probably reason for concern. Yeah. And we see price gouging a lot whenever there's a state of emergency. You know, sometimes we experience state of emergencies in the aftermath of a storm of some sort, hurricanes down east or a snowstorm somewhere else in the state. Or we saw one last year after the Colonial Pipeline shut down and some gas stations started charging outrageous prices. Of course, we've seen price gouging 
uh, uh, regarding certain products as a result of the COVID pandemic. And whenever the governor declares a state of emergency, that triggers our state's price gouging law. And what we do at the attorney general's office is investigate the complaints we get, and we get thousands of them, depending on what the crisis is. And then when we see a seller charging some unreasonable price, some huge markup that's unjustifiable, like they don't have a basis for increasing the price, their costs didn't go up. They already had the inventory. They're just trying to make a buck off of people's desperation. That's why we have a price gouging law. And we've aggressively enforced the law. And just last week, we achieved three resolutions of cases that we brought. Uh, one was last year having to do with the gas station in Durham. And two of them were from the year before that or the year before that, again, um, after the hurricanes down east with tree removal, one in New Bern and, and one in Wilmington. And you add up all of those settlements and they were like $100,000 all in since I've been in office, Don. We've won settlements and awards back for North Carolina consumers of over a million dollars just in price gouging cases, just in making sure that people are not ripping off people who are desperate in a state of emergency. I noticed in one of the notes that uh, our producer gave me, uh, it says spotting scam debt collectors. What's going on there? Well, debt collectors have a new way to reach out to people who owe money to a creditor. Um, they're now allowed to use social media. They cannot post on your profile in a public manner where other people can see it, but they can contact you through social media. But they also have to tell, if you don't want to hear from them through your social media profiles, you can tell them, stop contacting me in this, in this manner, and they have to abide by your request. So if you get contacted by a, a debt collector, through social media and you don't want to hear it, just say, stop contacting me in this way. So the the law remains the same. People are allowed to collect on debts, but they're not allowed to harass, harass you. They're not allowed to threaten you. They're not allowed to call your boss and, and tell them about your debts. Uh, and if people experience those kinds of problems, those are legitimate complaints they should file with my office so that we can pursue the debt collector and get them into compliance with our laws that protect consumers' rights. And to file a complaint uh, about debt collector or anything, just go to our website, which is ncdoj.gov slash complaints. And of course, the telephone number that you gave us earlier also, one eight seven seven five no scam That's uh, it. So you need to do it by telephone or by the email. And that email address one more time, ncdoj.gov slash complaints. I guess that's plural. Yeah, complaint uh, so, singular. Uh, oh, complaint? Yeah, complaint. Okay. Good. So just just the word complaint. Okay. Well, uh, I also noticed on my notes that Jason has given me, uh, it says Safe Child Act. So what's going on there? That was a law that my office championed a couple of years ago to protect children from child sex abuse, wherever they are, whether they're online, we wanted to protect them on the social media sites that kids use to make sure that uh, dangerous sex predators can't use those websites to talk to minors. Um, but we also want to protect them at summer camp, at their religious place of worship, 
at Little League, wherever kids are, they need to be protected. And it put into place a responsibility for any adult who is aware of any child being abused to have to report that to law enforcement. It, it's kind of shocking, Don, but if you knew that some kid was being abused, you had no legal duty to tell anybody. I mean, that, that's crazy. We have to look out for the most vulnerable among us. So that was another change we made in the law. And then a, another change we made was to extend the statute of limitations. And what that means is if you're a child or a teenager and you get abused, let's say, at summer camp and the camp should have done a better job protecting you, then you have to bring an action against that camp under old law by the time you're 21, three years from the time you're 18. If you don't do it in the first three years, then statute of limitations is run. You can never bring an action. Well, they've extended that, the legislature did, to uh, 10 years for child sex abuse. So if you're a teenager, you have until 28 to bring an action. My office thought it should be higher than that. There are a number of states in which there's no statute of limitations at all. Other states, it's 50. Other states, it's 45. Our legislature went to 28, which is on the low end, but it's certainly better than 21. So we were pleased with that. The other thing that they did is they created a two-year look back, meaning that if you're an adult in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you were abused and you want to hold your abuser accountable in court, you had two years to bring an action because it, where your statute of limitations expiration would not be held against you. And a number of people did bring those actions. That two-year look-back window expired on December 31st uh, of last month. That issue about whether you can have the look-back is currently being litigated in state court. Some of the defendants, like the Catholic Church uh, in Charlotte, is arguing that that look back is illegitimate and unconstitutional. I filed a brief arguing that it's fully constitutional. It's just a procedural change. And that's the kind of thing legislatures can do. Uh, we will see what the appellate courts of North Carolina do with that issue. But a number of cases have been brought against individuals and institutions about child sex abuse. Do we still have a, a, a serious problem with sex trafficking? We always do. Yes, we do. It's it's heartbreaking and tragic. Um, so we work with local law enforcement to help train them in tools that they can use to identify when sex trafficking is happening in their communities. There's a, a program, a nonprofit that has created this really powerful um, computer program software where you can actually track by looking at social media somebody being trafficked in New Jersey and then in Maryland and then in Virginia and then in North Carolina on their way to Florida. And that is a tool that law enforcement can then go use to arrest the perpetrator and, and free the person who's being trafficked. I want to go back to one other thing we talked about earlier and repeat that to website, the uh, information that people can go to if they have a opioid problem in their family and they want some additional help that website address was uh, morepowerfulnc.org as i recall uh tell us just a little bit more about that one more time just so that people will be more familiar with the resources that are available on that yeah morepowerfulnc.org and basically it helps answer questions that people need to know who care about this crisis 
what is the opioid crisis? How bad is it? If I am struggling or a loved one is struggling, where can that person go for help? And what can I do about it as a person, as somebody who cares? Maybe I'm just a person. Maybe I'm a sheriff. Maybe I'm a town council member. Whoever I am, you can actually describe who you are and then get ideas about ways that you can attack the problem. You know, just this week, our partnership with the Carolina Hurricanes, um, they organize every year a drug take back event at one of their games. And then they had additional days. So it was Tuesday night's game against Vegas, the Golden Knights. And then on Wednesday and Thursday, they had a partnership with the Raleigh Police Department and the State Bureau of Investigation. And those law enforcement officers stood by the PNC arena and accepted people's pharmaceuticals that they didn't need anymore. Get it out of your medicine cabinet. Get rid of it. Make sure it's properly disposed of and incinerated where nobody can get their hands on it. Because people who misuse other folks' prescription pills, the majority of them get them from friends and family, meaning that when they come to your house, they go and look in your medicine cabinet. And do you have some old Percocets or some old Oxycontins from some procedure you had that you didn't use all of the pills, but you're like, well, I'll just keep these because maybe someday in the future, I might want another pain pill. Don't do that. You wouldn't leave a loaded gun in your medicine cabinet where somebody who is going to make a bad choice could get their hands on it. Just like you can't leave these pills there because people will steal them and misuse them and sadly become addicted and a number of them will die. Well, I'm glad that uh, website exists and that's morepowerfulnc.org. Our guest is uh, Attorney General Josh Stein and we have one final segment and we're gonna turn to looking at uh, a segment that he reached recently about uh, uh, pres uh, prescription that uh, suddenly raise their price an inordinate amount. And we'll talk about that and other things when we return right after these messages. Psst, Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. This forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Play in puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. 
Welcome back to the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers this week. Our guest is the Attorney General of the state of North Carolina, Josh Stein, and we've talked about all sorts of things. We've talked about COVID-19. We've talked about robocalls. We've talked about e-cigarettes. We've talked about the opioid uh, crisis. We've talked about the Safe Child Act and various and sundry other scams. I, I know recently that you also won a settlement over a medical treatment appeal that rose in price 4,000% overnight. Um, that, that's, uh, that's almost amazing. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, people probably have actually heard about this one. There's a guy named Martin Shkreli, but he's better known as Pharma Bro. And what he did is he bought a drug manufacturer that had a pill. Uh, it was a, a pill that people who took it depended on for their lives. And when, once he took ownership, he immediately raised the price of the pill, as you noted, 4,000% to $750 per, per pill. And there wasn't and a generic- Started out at how much? I don't remember what the original price was, but uh, if I could do the math, it was a heck of a lot less than the 750 yeah. he raised. Yeah. Uh, and there were no generic alternatives. So people either had to buy his pill or ultimately die. And what he did was outrageous. Uh, and we took him and his company to court. The company was called Turing, uh, and now it's called Viera. And the, he is banned from pharmaceutical industry for life, can never go back into pharmaceuticals. He has to pay $65 million in disgorgement of profits, ill-gotten gains. And then we also reached a deal with the company and his business partner uh, for another $40 million. And so we want to send a strong signal to any company out there that's going to engage in this outrageous, unfair pricing that folks need to, to live, that we're going to go after them. And, and by the way, I've got a case against multiple generic drug manufacturers for conspiring to raise prices, to set markets. Like you get this product market and I'll get that product market instead of fiercely competing and driving down prices. They were uh, carving up markets so they could jack up prices. All of that makes our drug prices more expensive. And we can't have that. Drug prices are already too high. People need their medicine in order to have a good quality of life, or in some cases, to live at all. And when I see illegal pricing behavior, I will aggressively go after it to try to keep prices low for people who need medicine. Well, we were talking during the break, and I won't mention the name of the drug, but we were talking about a drug that I, I take that uh, I've been taking for 20 years, and the cost has risen, uh, let's see, well, about uh, 400%. Uh, and it's a 20-year-old drug. I mean, clearly it doesn't cost any more than it did 20 years ago. Uh, is, is there any action either in Congress or by attorney generals to look into those kinds of uh, price changes in drugs that have been around for a long time? It's really hard. Yeah, I mean, that's we live in a market economy. And if a drug manufacturer, maybe their prices have costs have gone up. Maybe the cost of their labor has gone up as people get paid more money. Maybe the raw materials that they need or the chemicals they need in order to make the pill, those costs have gone up. So I can't speak to any specific drug, but 
you know, companies are allowed to raise or lower their prices in our market-based economy. But when somebody does something like what this guy did, which is completely outrageous and unfair, then we have a basis yeah. to bring an action. Or if they do what they we allege they're doing in the generic industry, where they're actually engaged in conspiracies that result in higher prices as opposed to market forces increasing their prices, well, that's illegal. And that's when we can go after it. I notice also on my notes here, Jason has a line that says, call for better regulation of social media companies. <laughs> I think we're all in favor of that, but tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah. I mean, these companies are just massive in scale and scope. They, they're monopolies, depending on which market they're in. Facebook is a monopoly when it comes to social media um, websites. Google is a monopoly when it comes to search, and they have a monopoly on their Google Play Store where people download apps. Uh, I've got antitrust cases against both of those companies for all three of those things. Uh, North Carolina is on the executive committee of those cases, bipartisan. This is one area, Don, where Democrats and Republican AGs across the country are really working well together. Um, this isn't a partisan issue. We're all really concerned about the massive power these monopolies have and how they use that monopoly power to stifle competition, which hurts you and me. It means that there's less privacy, things are more expensive, and those are, uh, for those reasons, they're illegal. So we're taking legal action against them, but ultimately, I do believe that Congress needs to act. I mean, for instance, we're investigating Instagram. Instagram's owned by Facebook, which is now called Meta. Um, so Facebook owns Instagram. Instagram's own research shows that that app that kids use on their phones makes teenagers have real psychological uh, problems, depression, anxiety, feelings of uh, uh, insecurity, because they're constantly comparing themselves to other people and they spend hours on it. And though there are protections that Congress could enact that would apply to any social media company that has teenage users that, frankly, they need to do because we need to look out for kids. It's the same concept of why I went after Jewel for going after kids. Kids don't make good decisions. They're immature. They're not adults yet. That's why they're minors. And we have to have companies not exploit kids' immaturity to make money at the expense of young people's health. While we're on this topic, are, is there any other legislation on the national level or federal level that is uh, currently being considered by Congress that uh, you would like to talk about or bring up? There, there, as it relates to this whole industry of big tech, I do believe that our national antitrust laws need to be modernized to apply to the world of the internet. Um, you know, th these laws were created to deal with railroad and uh, big oil monopolies in the early 20th century. And we can use them in our cases against these big tech companies, but they can be a little clumsy. And so there is bipartisan legislation, both in the House and the Senate, to modernize our antitrust laws. And I think that would be a very constructive step forward for the country. What are some of the things that would be covered on, on any changes that would be made in that area? Things like 
evaluating what is the nature of the harm. Um, traditionally, under antitrust law, the courts have interpreted it to mean there has to be a financial cost. Well, Facebook says it's free, but it's not free. You and I are paying for Facebook through our privacy or lack thereof. And folks need to know what they're giving up and have the right to be able to control what information is shared. And frankly, Facebook has to do a heck of a lot better job protecting our personal information. They've been subject of multiple breaches. Remember the Cambridge Analytica case. And it's because they haven't valued privacy, but because they're a monopoly, there's nowhere for other people to, for people to go. You're either with Facebook or you're, you don't have connections to your family and friends. Well, one of the other uh, nonpartisan issues uh, are issues that seems to be popular with uh, both uh, uh, conservatives, liberals, Democrats and Republicans is the uh, business of expanding broadband, especially the, the areas underserved in North Carolina. Uh, does that also create some problems for you, or is this just something that is going to aid and assist in what you do? No, broadband expansion is nothing but a good thing. We absolutely need it in North Carolina. In fact, one of my um, do not call cases that we won last year uh, against DirecTV for inundating people uh, with telemarketing calls in violation of law, we got $15 million that I gave to the General Assembly. And I said, use this to expand broadband because right now, you know, upwards in the upper mid to upper 80 percent of the state has access to decent broadband, which means 10 to 15 percent of North Carolinians can't buy it. Even if they had the money to buy it, they can't buy it. It just doesn't exist. I do want to compliment the legislature and the governor and frankly, the U.S. Congress for appropriating a lot of money to deal with broadband and expand the access to broadband so that hopefully by 2025, 98% of North Carolinians, 99% of North Carolinians will have high-speed, high-quality internet available to them. The next problem, Don, is helping people afford it because it's a utility that we all need. And it, boy, we learned that in the pandemic in the worst way. You know, kids were sent home and told to do their schoolwork at home. Well, 20% of kids don't have access to decent internet. And then a lot of them don't have computers or technology uh, products, that they, hardware that they can use to access the internet, even if they did have the internet. So there's a lot of work we need to do to help make broadband not only accessible to everyone, but affordable to everyone. And of course, you uh, also, uh, we're finding out, especially through the COVID-19 situation of what this does for telemedicine. It's incredible. It's uh, so much rich opportunities if we can expand uh, internet access statewide. I mean, you look at rural communities, a business can't locate to a community that doesn't have high quality internet. I mean, it's just, it's a no brainer. Uh, small business can't grow and thrive in a rural community that doesn't have decent internet. So in order to help rural North Carolina be economically competitive going forward, we have to make sure that there's high quality internet available in every corner of the state. And by doing so, we will improve economic opportunities for people. You talked about telemedicine. We're going to be able to improve people's health because even if there's not a psychiatrist in some small rural county, because none of them live there, that person can still consult with somebody in, in Chapel Hill or Raleigh or Asheville or, or wherever. 
And then uh, it's really important for our kids' education. We've learned this. I mean, kids learning remotely, if you don't have a, a computer, if you don't have the internet, you're not going to make it. And that's not acceptable. We have to give every child in the state a meaningful opportunity to succeed, uh, to build the kind of future we want for the people of North Carolina. I want to repeat the number. If you feel like you've seen a scam or you feel like you have a question, that uh, email address is ncdoj.gov slash complaint. And they will uh, go to work and investigate and uh, uh, give you the assistance that you are requesting. ncdoj.gov complaint. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another interesting guest for us again next week on the same group of stations all across North Carolina. And so until next week, same time, same station, you and yours have a very good week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.